Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In this episode, Kathy Chilko continues to share her journey of faith, deconstruction, and how that affects her family and her relationship with Brian. Sit back and enjoy. So welcome back to part B or episode two with Kathy Chilcote. We're so glad you're, you're joining us today. And as I always say, tell your family and friends about us. So I'd love to have them join us as well. And we are welcoming back the Reverend Sophia Futris. Hello, everyone. And Brian Chilko. Hi. And we also have the Dave Moore, who who is the brains behind this whole outfit and who we are so appreciative of. And we have Kathy Chilko joining us once again. Glad We're so to be glad here. you're here. And, you know, she brought in some really, I thought, last episode, um, interesting uh, commentary on the the challenge, the conflict, the pain even that deconstruction can bring into relationship. And not just a couple, which, you know, she shared about hers, but friendships, relationship on a whole. And, you know, there, there's a question as I'm saying that, that just popped into my head. How did Brian's deconstruction, um, your journey, affect your children? What, what happened within them? Because they were there. They were there from California to back to Pennsylvania. They were there, and I don't want to do too much talking about them in particular, but I will say in terms of how um, how our parenting changed um, and um, things, you know, when, when processing started, verbal processing started happening, uh, Brian would process with uh, a child— and that would really that would really make me mad mm. um because i didn't think they had the maturity to deal with it like yeah that was was not good and and we didn't we didn't see eye to eye on that so what were your concerns with that i just thought they weren't uh, mature enough to uh, you know maybe i'm trying to think how old when we uh when we moved from california we were looking at the older two were 11 and 9. Oh, okay. You know, so they were both um, quite able to verbally process things, um, but I didn't think it was appropriate to, I felt like it was being too critical. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want them to be affected by that. So I'm going to push a little so you can sure. push back. You yep. know me. What, what were your concerns? I was concerned that our uh, one people pleaser child would just automatically agree with her father and uh, turn against God. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I was curious about is, yeah. you know, we as parents, right? Especially in the, like, you know, probably my greatest regrets as a mom, as a parent, was the way that I uh, dealt with my children and Christianity. Mm-hmm. I'm at such a different place. Yeah. And my kid children are all in their 30s now. So I can't go back and reparent them. But I think my greatest mistakes as a parent were trying to sh- shove my very independent, opinionated children, and I love that. They're successful because of it, into a box, into that proverbial Christian box. So that's that's what I was curious about, you know. And at that point, if Tony would have been, my husband would have been deconstructing, I'd have been flipping, right? I'd have been freaking out because you're you're putting poison. At that point, I probably would have labeled it like demonic. Yeah, you know, and I'd been like, oh, ah! I think you know when we when we left uh, California, we took them out of church altogether. So we started uh, house church. And, um, you know, that, that's, that was okay. I was in agreement with what, with leaving California and, um, well, um, that's another story, but, uh, but I wasn't uncomfortable leaving the church and, and home churching. I mean, we homeschooled for a while so that, you know, being sort of that independent, um, that you know that wasn't a problem for me, but when you, you when you start uh, explaining why we're house churching because the church you know is this bad place or whatever, and and you know again it felt like to me it wasn't like this bad place it was these bad people, and and yet you know so how do you raise your children to respect and love their grandparents who, who, you know, hold this different, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I just, I was not comfortable with it yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, I look back and there's a definitely a lot of regret, regrets for like you're saying with your kids too. Yeah. Brian, I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that and wish we had another try at it. Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, You know, I think I was just not conscious of what I was doing. Um, I was just, again, sort of thrashing around. Um, And, you know, now the kids, our our kids are grown as well. Uh, They see us doing things like this. They see us being part of Cornerstone. so they're they're watching us model kind of a comeback in some ways, um, but again, they're adults now. They make their own choices, and I'm um, I always have sort of seen other people, no matter how old or young they are, as able to make their own reasoned decisions. Because I think we project ourselves on other people, mm-hmm. and so I think my kids are the way I am. So. What they need is information so that they can make a decision about what they want to think. Um, that doesn't work all the time with younger kids. So, yeah, I wish we could do it over. It, it, well, there was some negative things going on. What's so interesting to me is, you know, th- the regrets that one carries as a parent, but but and also it is... It is using the tools that you have at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, even with Tony and I trying to put our kids in that proverbial Christian box, that's what we knew at the time because we were in that proverbial Christian box. You all navigating the change that you're going through, trying to process and figure it out, you know, are are within that box that you're in while Brian's trying to break out. So, you know, it, it's a, it's an interesting challenge. Let's put it like that. And whether we're in the box or out, you know, I was brought up in a family of atheists. That was the only thing we were allowed to believe. So that there was no God. So me asking questions about that, you know, was kind of like, what is wrong with you that you might be curious about that there's a God? You know, so me as an adult child looking back is like, well, just because you believe that there was no God, let me believe that there is, right? So it doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. There's there's a challenge. There's that challenge. So I'm just curious about relationship outside of your, your, this, you know, the couple or family, did this affect that at all? I don't know. I mean, yes, certainly deconstruction has affected my relationships, but more in terms of how I look at my relationships. I have not been rejected by anyone or, um, but I would also say I don't go out and, and broadcast my, I, you know, I'm not real active on social media. I don't, um, I'm, I'm, I've always been somewhat private about, about things. So, um, I don't, you know, if I were to run into and have run into dear family friends, I don't really say too much about about it well and even with your father you know we took care of him at through his end of life a couple of years ago and we just were kind of careful it didn't really come up if you know what i'm saying um because he was definitely um an admirer of a lot of old conventional paradigms for spiritual life church those kinds of things so we were just careful to kind of not go too far. I, I, I would push every so often, ever you know, very slightly on some of the things he said. But he did, you know, uh, he was very open and understanding and um, would listen definitely. But we felt like it was it was honoring to him to not say a whole lot about what we were doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I remember one time. Um, there were, you know, some other dear friends that had come to visit um, my my dad, and uh, we were together with them. And it was it was uncomfortable for me to keep my mouth shut. Like it was just I I felt really sad, um, and and it was hard. You know, it was back in that position of feeling like if they if they knew hmm. if they knew hmm. you know they would just be horrified. Um, so I think I, I think part of it is like, no, I haven't really lost any relationships. I haven't, people haven't turned against me, but mostly that's because they don't, they don't know. They don't know where you stand. Yeah. What, what would you say are some of those major 
differences that have ha- that you would say are like well um certainly i look at the bible very differently than i used to and of course all the hot button issues you know um my children did not attend christian schools or christian colleges they don't um they don't have a faith that looks like the one i grew up with um they don't attend church. They, you know, it, it's everything. It's everything about me, really. Yeah, to a to a an evangelical in the bubble, we look like terrible failures as parents. Yeah. So you know, I, I, I mean, even even just the fact that I am, you know, I have a, a career that I'm happy about, and I didn't uh, spend my whole life raising my kids. Yeah. You know, that was my dream growing up, and and we ended up you know, switching positions with Brian, playing a more um, active role with the kids than I did. So, I mean, that's, I mean, people have looked at that as like, oh, you know, they don't know what to think about that. They don't, they don't get it. I don't know that I get it really either, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just different. Yeah. Again, looking at, you know, my children and, um, you know, I'm the, the pastor and I had so many people come up to me and, and comment about my children not being in church or not being that, you know, perfect child because none of them were. And, you know, being challenged on that, how can you be a pastor when your children are the way that they are? Mm-hmm. Whereas for me... You know, I'm like, what do they have to do with me? These are, you know, especially when they were adults, you know, these are, these are grown children, you know, they're making their own choice. So uh, again, there's so much of that, that garbage to me within, you know, that, that is, uh, it's just, it it just, it's filled with judgment. A lot. And, And criticism. Yeah. By people that are equally as broken as I am mm-hmm. and equally as human right. as I am. Right. Pointing the finger. So, yeah. And, and I, you know, your point is well taken. It's difficult for you and it's sad because I do agree with that listening. But if you brought it up, a, a conflict would ensue. Mm-hmm. And I don't like conflict. Right. <laughs> you little nine you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you have to kind of weigh, you know, what is the risk of, do I value and do I want this relationship to continue? And if I do, then I'm making the conscious choice to say, hey, you know what, this is just something we just don't talk about. But we can engage on these other levels. And that's up to everybody's decision of in their journey of like, this is just someplace we just don't go. And then there's other relationships where you're like, no, we have to go here. And then the relationship's gone. Right. And I, I... Through all my relationships growing up, there have been places where we just didn't go because mm-hmm. I knew I didn't agree or we didn't agree. And it's, you know, you stay at the table and maybe you don't, it's not really staying at the table because you do discuss things when you're at the table. But, um, but you know, whether it's friends, friends in other circles, you, there are things you don't discuss. Bring up. 
when I think about the table, I, I think about not like a circle table where there's a couple people. I think about that huge banquet table. So even if you're staying at the table, you may be just moving down a bunch of seats. And so you're not having that intimate conversation. You may pick up, uh, you know, the occasional, oh, yeah, my kids are doing great. But you're not hearing that intimate side by side that you would be having if you were right across from them. Right. Yeah. I think that's the saddest part for me within the Christian community is is the fact that we can't mm-hmm. we can't have these kind of conversations without it being a conflict that we can't hear the the various voices you know, this is part of the reason why I'm an avid reader. I'm not an avid reader because I want to find an answer. Like, you know, Brian, you've always said to me, the reason you read is you want you are answering a question. That's not what I why I read. I read because I want to hear different voices. So because of that, I read a lot of different authors, books, backgrounds. I'm not trying to answer a question. I am trying to gather the voices, the dialogue with others. It it's so important to me to hear other perspectives because there's not a chance that I have the complete full perspective. What is frustrating is when um I'm not able to engage in a conversation of differing opinions without somebody trying to smash that they're they are that's my pet peeve that I'm having a conversation with somebody who's coming from the perspective that they are right and that they're trying to prove that I am wrong. I'm done. The conversation's over. Because we're not having a conversation anymore. It's not a dialogue. It's it's you trying to convince me. You know, and that's a that's a place of of frustration. Yeah, I I agree. And and for me it's been a cause of relational breakdown because the some of my friends and people as I went through my journey we couldn't have relationship because they wanted to continually let me know that my life, my choices were sin or they were not God's best. And so they couldn't just be in relationship with me. That had to be center. And so it does It does cause the relational breakdown because if you're constantly trying to prove something and you can't have the space to just show up as yourself— then like there's not a relationship. It's it's more of a it's a constant. It's like it's a, it's just a negotiation between two people with two different ideas, and there's not really actually any love there. Yeah, I think about you know th- this is bringing me to going full circle to the last podcast we had, Kathy, where you're talking about what was uncomfortable about Brian. You know, was was what you interpreted, whether it was or not, but what you interpreted and felt was anger, and and, you know, Brian further said it was frustration and things. I got to be honest, is that's where I get pissed off. You know, when I enter these kind of conversations, I have to work hard at not not disliking the person that I'm having that conversation with. I have to, I have to watch myself mm-hmm. because I do get pissed off. And I, I do hear other churches and, and get angry or... You know, I was recently a part of a of a funeral, and you know, I felt the judgment towards me in the room, 
And it was, you know, it took me 24 hours to get over it. You know, I walked out of there, looked at my husband and went, I just feel yucky. I just feel gross, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I don't like that. And so it's, there is a journey of separating the humanity and the imago day in humans from the opinion or the judgment that they're thrusting towards me. So, yeah, it makes there there is a part that makes sense to me of that that kind of anger. Yeah, and I think um, there's definitely a place for anger in the whole in the whole process, and um, but I don't think. I, I think it's it can be misplaced um, in my mind. Like I, I I think of a conversation we had a while back with some dear friends, and this was one one conversation we had where we we showed our callers, and um, and I was concerned about how it would go, mm. and it was I thought it was very positive. We had a a conversation. And we left without nice. judgment, and it w- I thought it was very helpful. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Was I? Where was I going? What did you just say? Well, let me ask you. I, I, every time you lose a train, I'm like, okay, I got a question. <laughs> I got a train. <laughs> yeah, I got a train. I'm, I'm riding on this train. Um, oh, I I, oh, I remember um, misplaced anger. Mm. These dear friends are a product of their upbringing and what they know, what they've heard. And I've heard different things and I've experienced different things. I cannot be angry mm-hmm. at them. Yes, They haven't, I mean, if they are going out of their way to hurt people or, um, you know, it, in, in my mind, I have to believe the best in people the way I want them to believe the best in me. Yes. So it is not Goodwill. in my place to, to, to put my anger at them because they believe something different than I do. Right. Did you ever experience anger? Um, I'm not, I'm talking uh, specifically yeah. regarding deconstruction. Yeah, I'm not no. Talking, um, or the church, being angry with the church. I, I mean. Or at me. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's a given. I, you know, <laughs> anger is something I bounce off of. So, yeah, I would have to say, yeah, I feel anger, but I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't experience it for very long because it's uncomfortable, you know. Um, so you never got angry at the church or at the theology or at no, the I am I am more I am uh, more angry at the church in general System. systems, but not the people. Sure. Oh well, yeah, some people I would have to say abusive people um, who are using the church to promote their their abuse, whatever kind it is. Yes. Um, but but not at people. No. Can I jump in here as a fellow nine? Uh, yeah. Given our recent conversations, anger is not sometimes the best emotion that we tap into. So I'm curious if if resentment or there was other things that were ha- happening that might describe it better. I don't know. Like I've thought about this to some degree. I've had counselors tell me that I should be angry and, you know, go out back with the baseball bat and hit some whatever. And like, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, I've felt resentment. I, I have, but again, it's like, 
it it it's sort of I go there and then I bounce out of it and 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 I also have ADD so like <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> there's a squirrel squirrel, you squirrel. Know? right so I'm angry um, squirrel yeah so I mean I think they're they're emotions that I experience and then I'm done or, or I move on and I'll come back to it later like but again sure. I bounce off it and and um yeah there's resentment there's I would say there's disgust um anger. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're there, but they're not something I, I enter into and stay for any length of time. So tell me how your, I'm, I'm moving out of this, your theology has changed. Like where, if you can label it, if, and if you can't answer that one, where you think you and Brian's, your and Brian's, how do you say that in a good sentence? You know, uh, theology doctrine is different or I'm really curious where yours has hmm. changed. I I would say that the way I look at the scripture has changed. Although as I look back, I would have to say I never really, I mean, I mean, there were always things in the scripture that I disagreed with or that I didn't think was interpreted correctly. And so I can't say that, oh yeah, I, I believed in the inerrancy and, and all of that hook, line, and sinker. You know, it never was there. So it's more that I've solidified my disbelief or I've solidified my acceptance of not believing the way that I was taught. Like, that's okay. And and I'm, I'm okay with that. You're okay changing now. I'm, o- I'm okay changing. I'm okay saying that um, the, you know, the, the way... The way I under I, I was taught that scripture was and never felt comfortable with that. I never felt comfortable with it because I didn't believe it and and I don't believe it. Okay. I mean I but I'm not I'm still not comfortable. Uh, I'm not I, I couldn't say where I've arrived. I'm not in a place where I can say, Oh well, I think the Bible is this, 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 and this. I don't know anymore. I'm not I'm not Comfortable you're, arriving. You're I mean, comfortable in the not knowing. I'm comfortable in the not knowing. Very comfortable. Where do you see, you know, the biggest differences right now? Right now, because it will probably change tomorrow, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now between you and Brian. I think I'm more comfortable saying, um, like I could look at the Nicene Creed or, you know, any of the creeds and say, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I believe that. Um, Brian, I don't think Brian could do that. But I'm, I'm, uh, as much as I am unknowing, like I'm not solid or I'm not 100% sure, like I'm much more comfortable with the whole idea that there is no rock solid proof for a lot of this. And that's where faith comes in, mm-hmm. right? I'm good, I'm good with that. Um, but I'm not ready to say I don't believe any of it. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I think he's different that way. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm sort of I'm inclined to find truth or meaning um, as it exists in the as close to reality as possible. Um, I like to integrate what I think about reality with what the evidence shows. Um, 
And so to really examine those creeds and the different things the church has said about what we base our faith on um, needs examination, and some of it under examination doesn't jive. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It's not coherent. So I have a difficult time putting my faith in that or filling the gap. Faith kind of fills the gap between uh, the evidence that you can sense or understand um, and what you can't. Um, so I, yeah, I'm a lot more. I I pursue those answers a lot more uh, readily than Kathy does. And she's a great balance for me on that, I think, because uh, it reminds me that, do I really need an answer? You know, I have to ask myself that. Do I really need this answer in order to love fearlessly, for example? Mm. And sometimes the answer is no. (laughs) I don't really need to. I'm just doing this because... I want to know, and it's really not going to make that much of a difference in my ability to love fearlessly. So um, her relaxed position on it is a, a really a, a tonic for me to help me kind of get over some of the, the weeds that I get into on this. Yeah. I think another difference, and this isn't like in theology or anything, but but just that I, a lot of my belief in God and um, my faith is based on experiencing God. Hmm. So um, that big tri- tricycle yeah, wheel so, again. I love yeah. that wheel. So um, like I don't, I, you know, I can turn my mind to God and, and he's right there. Like there's God right there. And, and to me, that matters more than, than the you know anyone's interpretation of the Bible. Yeah, and and uh, you know maybe sometimes I'm not feeling that way, <laughs> um, but that's okay. And um, yeah, well, that that's a lot harder for me. I don't know if it's my personality, my makeup, whatever it is. I'm and I'm comfortable with it. That experience wheel of the tricycle is just difficult for me to get a get a hold of. So, um, I mean, I'm glad that I have people around who do depend on that experience, uh, the things they've sensed about the existence of God or Him being right there or being able to pray, for example. Um, otherwise, I don't know where I'd be at this point. I'm glad that kind of, it kind of restrains me in a sense that I'm not uh I haven't gone full scientist on this either. There's there's still enough mystery and uh metaphysical issues that I can't say uh well God doesn't exist. I just I don't know partly because that that experiential part of faith is difficult for me. So I, one thing I do is I just forget. I may have had experiences, but I've sort of forgotten about them or they weren't important, didn't connect. For whatever reason, the um, data is a lot, connects with me a lot more. Information connects with me a lot more than the experience part. Interestingly enough, since we started this series, um, Hey, Why Did You Stay Anyway?, um, <laughs> you know, 
everybody that sat in the chair, I think everybody has talked about experience holding them. Mm -hmm. So through, and I would have to say I am the same. What has held me steady has always been that experience um, with God. And, and I remember one of my brothers once saying to me, you know, what if you're wrong? And I'm like, you know, so what do you think? And they're like, well, maybe you're just having an, an experience with yourself. And I'm like, well, then I am amazing. <laughs> and, and if I'm having an experience with me, I'm brilliant, you know, with the wisdom that I've gleaned and yeah. all that, I, then I am a spectacular human. And I said, and if I leave this earth and there's nothing, I like, I like what I've experienced. I like the life I've lived with the experience of, of God and how God has interacted with me. So, but that, that, is, that is the common denominator with, with everybody who has sat here and, and moved through has been that experience. I have to say that um, I, experience, I have experienced God less through this process. Interesting. And and that, you know, that has been interesting, although not disheartening too much. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. And maybe I'm not looking, probably. I'm not um you know, it's like, well, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn to God. So of course he's not gonna show himself. Tell me more about that. Well, I think I think um, I'll, uh, something my mother used to do uh, would be to look for God. She'd be on a God hunt, and so she would tell us every day where she saw God that day. And um, it was a conscious thing. So she saw God everywhere, you know. And I would say similarly, you know, when I— um, I, I think of God being right here or right here, like I'm, and I'm motioning right above my shoulder. But it's more like behind my head or around my head, not in front. It's it's back here. He's back here. So so in a sense, I'm I'm doing this, um, you know, kind of looking looking up and backwards and talking to God, N- not necessarily praying, but just calling out, looking for what, whatever, comfort, you know, this kind of thing. And, um, but it's definitely a dependency or a, or a, a searching, a seeking, a, a, a request. I don't, I'm, my words are failing me, but it, there's an intentionality to it. And so if I don't, if I'm not intentional, um, there is no connection. Fascinating that you see God behind you, and you know the imagery of that is very, very poignant to me. That you're seeing God behind you, almost around your head, is where you were pointing mm-hmm. to, and that you're not feeling God as much now. I wonder what that's saying about almost looking for God in the past, almost looking for God. You know, yeah, not in the past. It's not in the past. It's very much in the present. Okay, so it is in very the much right, right here, right now. Yeah, you know, it's just more. Um, 
it's it's just more mm, yeah no I don't know a pillow okay <laughs> okay that's good that's a good image all right and then the second thing that you're bringing up that is interesting and I know we're running late um, but this happens a lot is that you know you're talking you said you weren't looking you weren't necessarily looking and I find with people's deconstruction when you realize that God is not according to our faith right now that God is not about there's not a performance aspect to it mm-hmm. that God loves me whether I'm looking for God or not and that God is present whether I'm working towards that or even praying or feeling the or presence. feeling the yeah. presence that you recognize makes it, it it begins to tear at how you actually interact with God That's and quite how possible. you need to interact mm-hmm. with God, how mm-hmm. one does. So it begins to, because mine is totally changed. My devotionals have changed. The way I interact is it, completely changed. And I hear that often, that people are like, well, how do I find God now, now that I don't have to go to church, now that I don't, you know, I'm not trying to please God because I know that I am pleasing to God because I'm human. Mm-hmm. It changes that. And I almost wonder if that's in there somewhere. Yeah, that's but that's quite possible. I haven't thought about it that way, but um I think through, you know, through growing up, um God's presence was was there in lonely times in um just in you know, I, there to talk to, there was just there for me. And um maybe that's not an issue. I I don't know. I like your image of the pillow. Right? Yeah, it's I mean, more it's like just, a place to rest and to land yes, and to be. Yes, that's that's that's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. That's in that exactly image. right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I was. I'm curious, like how, if any, how do you feel about that shift? It's it's a little troublesome. How so? But I I haven't put too much thought into it or concern. Like I. I I miss that, but in the same sense I don't I know that um I know that God's still there and very present regardless of what I feel. Mm, nice. So there's sort of a balance between, mm-hmm. you know, relying on the experience. I mean, you know, I I just know that God's still there. So Yeah. Sweet. Well, Kathy, we're going to end on that note that I know that God is still there. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful testimony. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for coming welcome. in and sharing your story and, and uh, sharing your voice and, and your journey. And, and uh, Brian, thank you for sharing alongside. That was sweet. And just thank, thank you, Dave, once again. And we want to just going to thank everybody right now. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in and listening and, and uh, being a part of our table. And I hope you find a table that, that is going to be a challenge, but you stay and, and have, those, uh, have those conversations in love. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Mm-hmm. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta. Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf 
at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Thank you.